Oh, goodness. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Living Savior Ministries. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, me. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Jordan's going to be able to put the words on the screen today. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We just, we just keep getting more and more knowledge. The Word of God. We saw this out in California the other day when we were in California. I loved it. I made us, uh, I quoted a scripture and made a scripture reference, and I just happened to turn and look, and on the screen, it was on the screen. I said, hey, this is great. I love it. And uh, uh, now then, with Jordan, so I mentioned it to him, and he's got a software program he's put together, and I mean, he can put it up there on any translation I want. If I say I want the NLT, he puts it as King James, New King James, Amplified, man, he's got it on the screen. It's amazing what these young people can do with computers. Just think, if we can do this with what God give us, you know, think what He can do. You know, there's not anything impossible with God if you can believe. And I might have to say that because of this day, because of this day today, we can do what we do. Because the King, when we get through talking about what was available to us, I want us to turn, first of all, to Matthew 28 today. And I want to look at verses 1 through 7 to start off with. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading out of the King James. Matthew 28, 1 through 7. With the King James. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to reveal to us the magnificent truths of all the things that you did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. The power you gave us, the peace you gave us, the dominion you gave us, everything, your presence, everything is promised in your word. Help us more today to get a revelation of who you are and who we are and what we can do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I praise you and worship you and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, bless it to our hearts. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 7 says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. Now, if I'd have been one of those keepers that had been sent there, those Roman guards, I'd have been shaking in my boots too. I don't mind telling you. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not. This is what God will always tell you when He's speaking to you. Fear not. For I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 
And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. The greatest day in history. The king told us over and over and over for hundreds and thousands of years that he was coming. He was, we were told that there would be a Savior from the very beginning. And we as the church, those of us that are in church, we don't have a major problem believing that Jesus did arise from the dead. I mean, I've been in church all of my life. I was born going to church. I've been in church all of my life. My mother and dad was in church. But I didn't have a clue who I was or what I could do in the name of Jesus. And the reason was I didn't read the owner's manual. I didn't have an intimate relationship with the king. But when I learned that and I developed that relationship, then things began to change in my life. Now I want us to go to Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 25. I want us to go over there, Romans 4. I want you to see some things here that we can do now that we know Romans 4, 20 through 25. This is talking about Abraham, but this is you and I also. We'll show you. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Now, Abraham, he didn't stagger at these promises that God made him when God told him, you're going to have a son. And when he looked at his wife and said, she's only 90. And I'm only 100. But God, if you said it, I believe it. My wife's going to have a baby one day. He's going to be a wonderful boy. I'm going to be the father of that child, and she's going to be the mother of that child. Her body's dead. She's only 90. But he staggered not at the promises of God. Well, see, he knew the promise, and he didn't stagger at it. But you and I today, most of us don't even know what the promises of God are. So we cannot stand on something we don't know. So we get into unbelief and doubt. It's just like the other day a Baptist preacher. I made a statement. Jesus heals all of our diseases. He said, I don't believe that. He said, God can heal if He wants to. If He don't, He won't. I said, well, you don't believe the Word. He said, I do believe the Word. I said, well, your words and the Word doesn't agree. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, do you believe He forgives all of our sins? Well, of course. I said, well, okay. I want you to turn to Psalm 103 and read the first couple of verses. I want you to see what he said. He's talking about bless the Lord and forget not all of His benefits. And he said, then he says in Psalms 103, if we got that on the screen, if we can bring that up there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Number two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now, two times was He here, bless the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's our problem. That's our job is to bless His holy name. We're supposed to be doing that. And then He says if we do that, then He says who forgives all of your iniquities. 
And, he, and I said, well, what about the next part? He heals, oh, I guess that all wasn't supposed to be in there. I said, so you know the Word says He forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. So I said, which one of them alls do you take out? If you take out one, you've got to take out both of them. See, we don't believe the Word, do we? See, the Word says right there, clear. How many of your iniquities does He forgive? How many of your healings, how many of your diseases does He heal? When you stand in faith. Somebody said, well, I tried it and it didn't work. That's why it didn't work. You tried it. You didn't do it in faith. See, God also answers that for you. You know, that's just like i got to tell you right here, a great testimony. I got the longest email this last week. We were out of town for a week and then we came back and I was reading 229 emails. So one of them took me well over 30 minutes just to read one email. It was the longest one I have ever got in my life. But there was a gentleman a few months ago, I think it was November or December, he, he told me exact dates and he, rem- he had everything in that letter. He said, my wife, he said, I'm 89 years old, 90 now, but he said I was 89 when I called you. He said, my wife is 78, told me how many years they'd been married. And he said, I was in the hospital with my wife and she was comatose. And the doctors told me that there's nothing they can do for my wife. Nothing. We just need to unplug her and let her go on. So he said, I asked them, you mean to tell me that with all of your knowledge and all the equipment in this magnificent hospital, you guys can't do nothing for my wife? They said, that's right, nothing. He said, so you mean it's down to the point that if she gets well, it's totally God? He said, they didn't even want to hear that. That God could do something greater than they could. But they finally agreed. I said, you said, you can't do nothing. Well, that's true. We can't do anything. So he said, if I go call a man of God and he prays my wife gets well, we're going to all know it's God that healed her. They finally agreed. After much persistence. So he said, I went and I called you. And he said, you prayed the prayer of faith. And he said, I've watched you on GLC he said, God's Learning Channel out of Odessa. He said, I've never heard anybody present the Word of God as simple as you present it and as clear. And said, you mean exactly what God said. He said, God said exactly what He said. And said, you present it just like that. So he said, I knew I had repented of all my sins. I knew I was the spiritual head of my house. So he said, I come to you and call. And he said, a lady answered the phone. And in a few minutes, you call back and said, what can I do for you? And he said, I told you my situation. And he said, you prayed a prayer of faith and said, now then, you walk into that room and you tell those doctors to unplug your wife and you guarantee them in the name of Jesus, she's going to get well. I said, can you go there with me? He said, I can. Jesus made me the promise. Now see, it's faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. He said, I went in and told the doctors, okay, the man of God has prayed, it's done, my wife's healed, unplug her. He said, the doctors, he said, you know she's going to die. He said, no, there ain't no way she's going to die, she's going to get well. I guarantee it because Jesus made me the promise. 
He said, the doctors thought I was a fool, so they just went ahead and unplugged her. said, much to their surprise, instead of dying, she got better. And every day she got better. And he said, before it was all over, my wife completely, fully recovered and went home well, walking. Now, we can do what we do today in faith in the name of Jesus because of what the King did for you and me 2,000 years ago. Now, He promised up there He forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. And then the rest of that's a pretty awesome benefit package too while you're there. But now then, let's turn back to Romans 4.20. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4, verse 20, where it says, And he, Abraham, staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, that's the same place you and me got to be. We've got to get to a point where we can give Him the glory and the praise. And we know His promises, and we know His promises are always yes and amen. Every time, God's promises are yes and amen. When you get a hold of it, you can pray the prayer of faith for somebody, brother. You know that? You can pray in faith, nothing wavering, when you know God backing you up. All you got to do is get to that point. Abraham was there. I mean, he didn't stagger. Most of you today, you know that if your wife's over 50, or especially if she's over 60, and you say, you know, you and your wife are going to have a baby, most of you say, ha, 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 Yeah. But if God comes to you and your wife's 90 and says you're going to have a baby, you say, praise God, we're going to have one. God says you're going to have six, you're going to have six. And whatever God says, you know, that's what you've got to believe, that if God said it, you can do it. So have, you have to have no doubt God is a faith God. In fact, in faith, strong in faith. I think about the people in my life when I, since I've learned these principles and started praying in faith, knowing it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified that gets these things done for me. I think of the people that I prayed for for all kinds of things and asked God to do a great and mighty work in their life and seen Him do it over and over and over. And some of them have been miracles. Some of them He does instantly for people. But some of them He'll do it over a little period of time. Like this woman, this 89-year-old man, which is now 90, his wife, she didn't get well overnight, but she began to get well rapidly. And every day she got stronger. And it's an awesome email. Awesome. He had every detail in there. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, this is where you've got to start thinking like God. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you on that cross 2,000 years ago, you've got to be fully persuaded that the king is able to do anything. When you get it in your heart that Luke one thirty seven, we won't go there, but Luke one thirty seven says, With God all things are possible. So see, you've got to be able to believe that if Jesus, which is the King of Kings, if the Father raised him from the dead two thousand plus years ago for you, and when you look at the stars, you walk outside at night and you look at the stars and you think, He just spoke a word and those happened. You look at that magnificent sun that we see every day that comes up in the east and goes down in the west. The thing's 96 million miles away. And science tells us that something like 4 million years from now, the sun's going to burn out. We need to be excited. I'm not excited at all. 
The king's going to replenish that fire day by day. It is not burning out. You don't have to worry about the sun going out. The king has made it. He's going to sustain it. And he's going to sustain the universe. He does that with his mighty spoken word. Every day he sustains the universe with his mighty spoken word. Now, if he can do that, don't you think he can meet all of your needs? Hey, all you've got to do is believe him. But you know how many people in the church believe the king today? Nearly none. Almost none. Isn't that a shame that we don't believe him? But he tells us exactly what to do. And then it says in verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him, but for us also. But for you and me. That's for you and me, Keith. That's us. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe. We've got to believe. I mean, it's yours, but it's not yours automatically. You have to believe with no doubt in your heart. If we believe on Him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Just think, you got pardoned there. A pardon was in what He done. It makes no difference what you have done. If you come to the King and believe in Him... He will wash you and cleanse you and purify you and make you clean and whole. And He will forgive you. Then let's go over to, let's go to chapter 5, which is next chapter, verse 1 through 6. And let's see what He continues to say. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now see, you're not justified automatically. You have to receive by faith your justification. If you don't receive Jesus by faith, somebody says, did you, go to, did you get saved? Somebody lead you to Jesus? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When did it happen? Well, about five years ago. You got saved? Well, I sure hope so. I went down that aisle and I was baptized. You don't know for sure that you're born again? Well, I'm not sure, but I sure hope so. You need to get saved. You need to really get saved. When you really have an experience with God, you know you're saved. And you become a new creature in Christ and you're supposed to go out and start doing something for Jesus. I mean, you ain't supposed to sit on your duff and do nothing. You're supposed to get out there and do something for the King. You've just become a new creature. You're supposed to go out and start telling people about Jesus. And all of your attributes are to become His attributes. You're to walk in love. You're to get rid of all strife. Hatred, anger, and you're to walk in total love. Now, that puts you to the test, won't it? But that's what the king tells you to do, and that's how people will know. But therefore, being justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is that, that good news? God's at peace with me and you, brother. And that's a good news, isn't it? Because before we were justified, He wasn't at peace with me and you, was He? No, he wasn't. I mean, he was against me. I mean, I was a sinner. You know, I was headed for hell. And I deserved every bit of it. And you know you were too, don't you? Every one of us. But because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, by what he did by being raised from the dead and paying the price for yours and my sins, by faith we were justified. 
and made as if we had never sinned, by whom also we have access by faith. Now, we don't just have automatic access to this. This is only by faith. You've got to get this. God is a faith God. And without faith, you don't have access to nothing. Now, let me tell you. We had a man back here, here a while back. Now, understand God's a little more merciful to some of his children than he is to others. We had a man that come here that told, come up and give me a testimony. He said, I learned these principles in God's Word. And I, was, had, I forget what kind of illness he had, but something terrible. And he said, I took that scripture in James 5, 14, 15, about is there any sick among you? And he said, I'm a church of Christ. He said, we go to the church of Christ and we don't do this. He said, we just don't do this in my church. But he said, I had a sickness and I didn't want to go to the doctor. And I went and I called my pastor and the elders. I said, guys, it is written in God's Word. He says, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Anoint him with all. So, so he said, I, what I did, I went to my pastor and I asked him to get some of the elders of the church in to pray over me. And he said, he didn't much want to do it. But he said, I persisted since it's written in the Word of God. And it's in our Church of Christ Bible. So he said, they prayed over me, and as soon as they got through praying over me, they said, now let's swoop you off down to the doctor and be checked. Now, let me tell you, there was absolutely no faith in what they did. But he said, God was merciful to me because I was in the church of Christ, and I was standing on His Word even though they didn't believe. He said, when I got down to the doctor and they checked me, I was healed. He said, God in in their unbelief still healed me because I had faith. Somebody had to have faith. He had it. They didn't. And he came up and gave that testimony right here in this church. He said, it's amazing how merciful God is to us. He said, if we would just believe Him, there's no doubt what we could get from God. I said, of course. But He's a faith God. And somebody has to exercise faith or it don't happen. Let me tell you. If you come down to be prayed for and you come down and tell me, and I've seen this happen several times. I want you to pray for me, Thurman. I'm, I'm going to believe God that I'm healed when you pray for me. Okay, I pray for you. He said, well, I sure hope this works because i got an appointment Thursday and we're going to find out if I'm healed or not. I said, forget it. You ain't healed. You might as well go ahead and have your surgery. You are not trusting God. You're trusting the doctor. You're not trusting the king. So when you believe, you got to believe. I mean, this is the hardest thing in the world for us as Christians to get a hold of. we got to believe our master, you know. He is a faith God. It's faith that moves His hand, or total trust, in Him. He don't like for you to trust anybody but Him. You know that? When you come to Him, it's kind of like a man that's married coming home to his wife and says, Oh, I love you, honey, and I'm going to spend the night with you tonight, but i got an old girlfriend I'm going to spend the night with her tomorrow night. I'm going to take two of y'all on the string. So one of you's mad at me, maybe the other one won't be. You think that's going to work, Keith? No, ain't going to work, is it? First thing you know, ain't either one of them going to be your friend, is there? Neither one of them. You know? That's the thing. People don't understand what faith is. You know, that's just like last night, Cheryl and I, we were talking about some things as we were going home. And I told her, she was telling me about somebody that committed adultery on his wife. 
And you know, I said, honey, I can't even go there. I can't even go there. I can't imagine. I can't imagine a man that's married to a woman that can even the thought can come into his mind to go to bed with another woman. I said, I don't understand that. I said, first of all, I would be sinning against you. And number two, I would be sinning against God. And I said, I ain't going there. I'm not going there. So I said, any man that sins against his wife and against God by going out with another woman and committing adultery, he don't know my God. He don't know who he is. He don't know what he's doing. He doesn't realize what he's setting himself up for. He doesn't realize he's headed to hell for what he's doing. I said, he just don't know that. I said, but I can't even go there. I mean, God says one man, one woman. I mean, that's it. You know, that's it. You're married to a woman. She's supposed to be your one and only. Don't even look at another woman. I mean, I had a guy the other day come up and he said, Thurman, I used to, I couldn't master this thing of lust. He said, when a woman come in, especially if she was pretty, I looked at her. And he said, I couldn't understand why I couldn't master this thing of lust. He said, then I heard one of your teachings. When a woman comes in, you always look at her right in her eyes. They said, you won't never lust for her if you look at her right in her eyes. He said, I started doing that, and my lust problem went away. Hey, you look at a woman in her eyes, you'll never lust for a woman. No, you don't look at her nowhere but in her eyes. That's the windows of her soul. And you won't never lust for her looking at her in her eyes. God's given you that power. There's a lot of power He's given you, but you've got to learn how it works. He says, whom we also have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In Romans 5.2. In Romans 5.2, we have access by faith into this awesome grace. And we should rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so... Will we glory in tribulations? Now, how many of you have had a little trial and test this week that you jumped up and said, Praise God! Thank you, Jesus, for this trial and test. Oh, some of you have. But most of you don't do that. Most of you are like I was most of my life. When the trial or test come upon me, I could do a lot of grumbling and complaining. Now, I know some of you all done that this week, too. I won't ask you to hold up your hand. But I will have to say, if there's anything Dave and I, since we spend so much time together, it makes no difference what happens. Dave will just say, Thurman, another test. Praise God. (laughs) It makes no difference what happens. Just like the other night when we were flying through the bad weather on the way to California. When he said, do you hear something? (laughs) I said, well, I think I do. He said, that sounds like something hitting the airplane. And I took a flashlight, looked at the windshield, and I said, hmm, it is. We're taking on ice. He said, praise God for another test. (laughs) That's not exactly what most people would do. Most people would go to fear. Because if you don't know what happens when an airplane takes on a load of ice, you know, there's been a lot of people killed flying airplanes in icing conditions. But if you glory in tribulations and trials and tests, 
the ice will go away. God will provide a way. Glory and tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. How many of you would like to have a little more patience? (laughs) I used to pray for that, but I don't anymore. (laughs) Since I know that tribulation worketh patience. I used to say, Lord, I need more patience. Okay, let me give you a couple more trials and tests. (laughs) I wondered why I had all them tests, Fred. I learned when I got to this verse, and I quit asking for them. I said, okay, God, i got all the patience I need. I can handle it now. Thank you, Lord. I have all the patience I need. And verse 4, and patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, when you accept Jesus Christ by faith as your Lord and Savior, He just told you right there that He just shed the love of God in your heart, technically speaking, so you can love the brethren. There's one thing I heard Kenneth Hagin say one time I'll never forget. There were several things he said I'll never forget. But one of them was he was with a bunch of preachers. They were having a big conference. And the guys were talking about problems they had with peoples in their church and how hard these people were to love. Brother Hagin wasn't a man of many words. He just sat there and listened. And after a little while, one of them said, Brother Hagin, what do you think? He said, I think you guys all need to get saved. <laughs> Bunch of Pentecostal preachers. <laughs> I think you guys need to get saved. So what do you mean? He said, if you really say the love of God's in your heart so you can love your brothers. He said, you all need to get saved. <laughs> you think that's exactly what the Pentecostal preachers wanted to hear? What was it? But see, that'll convict them and condemn their hearts that they need to do what God says. When your people are not easy to love, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. By faith, so we can love. It makes no difference. You love. Then let's go to chapter 6, verse 1. Move over a little bit as we talk about these things. Look at this magnificent grace that we have. I want you to look at what he said in Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that this grace may abound? Ooh. What did he say? Oh, somebody said, well, you know, how many times have I heard this story? I'm saved by grace. I can go do what I want to do. You know, no problem. I can go out and drink all I want to and get drunk. I'm still still saved. I can go out and sleep around. I can move in with another person. And God's understanding, I'm saved by grace. I'm still going to heaven. Hey, that's kind of not what the Word says. He says, shall we sin till we continue in sin that grace may abound? Look what his answer is. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, if you really died to sin, did you know you're not supposed to be able to sin? If you've really died to sin, the Scripture says this. If you really had an experience with Jesus, and by faith you stepped into His kingdom, and you begin to study His Word, and your heart and mind is being renewed daily with the Word of God, and you learn that you're dead to sin. It should make it real easy. Sin should have no hold over you. 
I mean, whenever the devil tries to put something in you, I mean, he, you know, it's amazing how the devil can work. He's always right there. Your wife says something to you one day. You're having the most beautiful day. I mean, everything's going great. And your wife walks up and makes a statement to you. And the devil instantly, before you can even think, says, get her. Just get her. And before you even put your brain in gear, your mouth open, and you're saying something nasty to your wife. Now, I know none of y'all ever done that. That devil, he'll get you, won't he? Yeah, he will. He's smart. You've got to think. I mean, being a Christian is not for wimps. Being a Christian is a soldier. It's a war you're fighting every day. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for us 2,000 years ago, we're going to be the winners if we do what He says. Well, we've got to do what the King says. Then He says here, He says, How shall we that are dead to sin, verse 2, live any longer therein? Know you not? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Have you been baptized? Been baptized into Jesus? Okay. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, so by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I mean, you're supposed to be a new creature. The Scripture teaches that. When you died with Christ, you died to sin. There's not supposed to be any sin in you any longer. It's not supposed to rule you. We'll see that. For we have been planted together in the likeness of His death. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's a mouthful when you look at that, isn't it? Is that what's written? Oh. Then why don't we yield to what's written instead of what's not written? You know, it's hard to grasp this really means exactly what it says. Verse 7. For he that is dead, are you dead? You're supposed to be. For he that is dead is dead from sin. Is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, He dies no more death, has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but that in He liveth, He lives unto God. Likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Now, who's going to let that sin not reign in your mortal bodies? You are. You're going to take the dominion and power and authority that's been given to you and you're either going to let it rule or you're not going to let it rule. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in the lust thereof. 
Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Good news, isn't it? For sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, the devil just can't come in and say, Joseph, I'm going to take you on a trip. You don't have to go no more, do you? No. Now, but if you're a child of God, if the devil comes in and takes control of you, you don't have nothing to say about it. He is in control. And, of course, well, we don't know that when we're living in strife or anger or rage or any other kind of sin, the Scripture tells us that the devil comes and takes us captive at his will. I mean, he just comes by and he sees you and he says, Oh, I'm just going to do something to you because you have many doors open in your life. So I'll come in and take you captive at my will. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So you want all those doors closed. So he can't take you captive at his will. I'd hate to think the devil could just come by and take me captive when he wanted to. Wouldn't you, Keith? That'd be bad news, wouldn't it? Yeah, because one day he might come by and just kill you. Yeah. For sin shall not have dominion over you, verse 14, but you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, when you're walking in obedience to God's Word, when you're walking in love, you're not under the law, but you're under grace. When you're dead, in other words, you're not under the law, you're under grace. And under grace, great things can happen there. That's where you can see the power of God flow. That's where you can see wonderful things, answers to your prayer. I mean, that's when you do things in the name of Jesus. That's when you can see signs and miracles and wonders happen. But you've got to know how it works. What then? Verse 15, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? What's his answer again? God forbid. I mean, that you and me as Christians would ever think about sinning. I mean, getting into anger or strife. Unforgiveness? Never. Not for a Christian? Never. We're not to go there. Look at verse 16. Listen to this. Know you not? Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey? For there are sin. Look at the consequence. Of sin... Which leads unto what? Sickness and disease, which will lead to death. Now then, if you yield yourself servants to obey, anger, rage, strife, unforgiveness, all them crazy things that Jesus told us not to go to, if you live there, what's going to be the consequences of that kind of living? Are you ready to die? Huh? I'm not. I want to live to be an old, healthy man, don't you, brother? Amen. Hey, I want to live to be an old... You definitely... You're waving your hand over there. You want to go there too, right? Amen. At least 120. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to be in agreement with that young man over there. I want to live to be 120 healthy years too. Praise the King. Or of obedience unto righteousness. 
Now, if you obey the king and you walk in obedience, it'll bring forth life. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You were the servants of sin. And then you got saved because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin. In other words, we become Christians and obey the doctrine that he's teaching that we're supposed to walk free of sin. No more sin. We're to walk free of that. He said, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So everything you and I do should pertain to righteousness. Right, Tom? Sure. We walk holy in obedience to God's Word. I speak after manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As for you have yielded your member servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. And even so now, yield yourselves members to righteousness unto holiness. Now, everybody's lived in, well, hopefully, you've lived in both those places. Because before you got saved, you were definitely on the wrong side. When you got saved, I hope you come over on the other side. Now, I met a few Christians that didn't come over on the other side when they got saved. They still live just as wickedly on, supposedly on this side as they did on that side. And that's still going to bring sickness and disease because you're still yielding your body to sin, which is going to bring forth sickness and disease and death. It took me a long time to get the connection from this Bible. But when I finally found, I mean, I'm sure he only had to hit me in the face with it about a thousand times before I finally got it. That sickness and sin go hand in hand. I don't know how in the world it took me so long to figure this out since it's in every book of the Bible. You can't miss it. I mean, I don't know how I missed it, but it's certainly in there. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. How many of you want to be free from righteousness? (laughs) I don't want to go there. I want to be a servant or a slave of righteousness. Then he says... What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things in unrighteousness leads to death. Isn't that amazing how many times he told us this, Keith? But now, since you're a Christian, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end Everlasting life. That sound good? That sounds great to me. And then he tells us one more time. For the wages of sin. I mean, how many times has he told us this one chapter? The wages of sin is what? what? Usually before you die, doesn't it take sickness and disease to kill you? You know, I've even had a lot of people, when I say, you know, I've learned that sin goes hand in hand with sickness and disease and death. And so I've learned that if I can walk totally obedient to God's Word, I don't never have to be sick again. And I haven't been in over 20-something years. Praise the King for His promises that belong to me and to you because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I've had several preachers ask me, well, then how are you going to die? If you can't get sick, how are you going to die? I don't believe I have to be sick to die. 
I believe when God gets through with me, He can just translate me out of here. I don't believe I have to go to a hospital lay in a deathbed. I believe I can just be running down this aisle and say, Lord, I'm going to cast one more demon out. And I get this one demon cast out. He said, that's it. Time for you to come to the house. Bam! My old buddy just falls down on the ground totally healthy and well. And I, as I'm leaving, I say, Whoa, I'm free for the first time. I'm on the way to the king. Now, I believe that's the way you can do it. I don't believe you have to be... Yes, there's been some that have done that. Smith Wigglesworth was one of those. Smith Wigglesworth got up to preach, and his body fell down dead. In fact, I understand there was a... His faith was so great. I said just before he did that, a woman came up to him and said, Brother Wigglesworth, you prayed for me yesterday, and I'm not healed. And he said, what, woman? If I prayed for you, I guarantee you're healed. <laughs> and just shortly thereafter, he died. You know, he went home to be with Jesus. Now, did he have faith? I think about Smith Wigglesworth. I think about one of the stories. Many, So many books have been written about him. I think about one day, a pastor called him and said, Brother Wigglesworth, would you come over and pray for my wife? She's on her deathbed. And he gets over there and opens the door, and there's two preachers sitting in there. The pastor, I mean the woman's husband, which is a pastor, and another pastor there at the edge of the bed. And he's listening to their praying. And the husband said, oh God, please, Lord, when my wife passes away, will you please give me the strength to go on without her? And he prays. And then the other one prays something like that. Smith Wigglesworth walks in, opens his bottle of oil, kicks a chair, said, you two unbelievers, get out of the way. Pours oil right down her middle and says, God heal her in the name of Jesus. And the woman sat up on the bed and said, there's Jesus at the foot of the bed. And she was instantly healed just like that. He did something in faith. There wasn't no faith in them other two guys. They didn't know what the word faith meant. Jesus came and defeated the forces of darkness so you and me can do those same kind of things. And we just don't believe Him. He tells us what we can do. Where was I? I forgot what verse I was on. 23? Oh, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you don't want to go... To sin, right? Because if you get into sin, what's it going to bring? It's going to bring death, but it'll probably bring sickness and disease first, right? When you start getting into sin, sin will start bringing sickness and disease. Now, the Lord tells us in His Word, when you start getting into sin, He will talk to you over and over trying to get your attention. And you don't listen. Then he says he will terrify you on your bed in dreams and visions. Have you had a nightmare lately? It come from God. He's trying to get your attention. Trying to let you know you're doing something wrong. You're not doing what I say. He says I do this to get people out of their pride to save them from death. That's all in Job chapter 33 when you see that. Then if you don't pay attention after all of that, he says, then I seen send pain and sickness into your bones. Isn't that amazing? Why do we not believe him? 
I mean, if God tells you to straighten your act up, if He said it in the Word, that ought to be enough, wouldn't you think? I mean, if He just says in the Word what to do. Now then go to Philippians 3.10. Philippians, I want to show you a little bit of the power. Now, we've seen the pardon and what was available, some of the things that were available to us. He's given us the freedom to walk in power with Him. Now, I want you to see where this power comes from. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through verse 15, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. It's great power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power was given to you and me. It took me a lifetime to figure it out because I didn't know how to get God to answer my prayer. didn't know how to see Him do miracles or healings or anything else. But I learned it a few years ago. And now I've seen Him do so many. But so now I can understand what Paul's saying here, that I may know Him. I want to know Him. I want to know the King. I want to know Him better, more intimately. You know? I used to know about Cheryl until God brought her to me and, and brought her to be my wife. Now I know her a little bit more than I did then. You know, I still don't know her as intimately as I will in another five or ten years. You guys have been married five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years. You know, now Ty knows this Cheryl pretty intimately. He's been with her a long time. They've raised their children together and they probably know what each other's thinking. She can probably, he can walk in the room. She said, would you like a cup of tea? He knows, she knows what she's thinking, don't she, Ty? They've lived together so long. But in the three years Cheryl and I have been together, I know her a lot better than I did three years ago. Three years ago, I just knew about her. I knew she was a beautiful woman here in the church, but didn't know nothing about her. But now I know her a whole lot better than I did then. But still, I don't know her very well. But I'm learning every day. You know, every day we spend more and more time together. So praise the Lord. But anyway, I may know Him, Jesus. How are you going to get to know Him? In the Word. If you don't read the Word, you ain't never going to know Him. You can't know Him. I mean, just like this morning, I got up this morning and I read the first 40 chapters of the Psalms alone. 40 chapters. Awesome stuff. I read it all in the NLT. I read a little of it. Once in a while, I'd run into something. I'd go back and read it in the King James. But... The NLT makes it so clear. I thought, wow, God. Now, how do I get to know the king? What he likes and don't like, Sharon? Read the Word. That's how you get to know him too, right? Sure. You learn who the king is by reading his Word. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This is what's available to you and me as sons and daughters of God. That... And the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained it. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, He wants you and me to know Him. He wants that. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. 
If it happened yesterday, don't spend no time on it. It's already history. It's gone. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Don't worry about the things that happened yesterday. Forget them. But he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what if you don't even know the mark that's available? What if nobody ever told you you can go out and you can change people's lives in prayer? Nobody ever told you you can go to the throne of grace and change your son's life by going before the throne or your daughter. Nobody ever told you you could go up there and you could kick the devil out of somebody's life and get them saved. You could ask the Father in Jesus' name to sick the Holy Ghost on them and He would go and do it. Nobody ever told you that you could go and lay hands on somebody and you could get them to repent of their sins and you can kick a devil out of them. Me, cast out demons. That's just like one day I walked by a Sunday school class of men. One of the men called, Thurman, come in here a minute. Okay, so I stopped walked back, walked in the room. I said, what can I do for you guys? It's in a Baptist church. He said, we were just talking about you. I said, well, what do you want? He said, why is it when you lay hands on the sick, they get well? I said, when's the last time you laid hands on somebody and expected God to heal them? They said, we ain't never done that. I said, that's why you don't ever see it. You've got to expect God to do something for you. He's a faith God. That's just like the day that I laid hands on that woman that got that arm burned so bad. I mean, I mean, that woman had that arm burnt. I mean, she fell into that oven and it was burnt. I don't know if this lady is a Christian. I have no idea. All I knew, she was a Spanish lady in pain. Forty, fifty years old. I don't know how old she was. She worked in a cafeteria and she slipped and fell in that oven and she burned that arm terribly. I knew she was in pain. I knew she needed a touch from the king. I knew I couldn't do nothing, but I knew I was the closest thing that she had to Jesus because Christ in me, the hope of glory. So if He promised to always be there. And He promised I could do all these wonderful things, which I'd learned all these things. So I ran up to this woman that's screaming in pain. And I said, He bore your pain, ma'am. You don't have to bear it. Then I said, Jesus said in Mark sixteen eighteen, I can lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. But I said, I don't know how long it'll take Him. But I said in Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus clearly says, Whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you can have it. Amen. How many of you believe you can do that? Okay. If you don't raise your hand up, you don't believe. See, you're in doubt already. That's why you don't see God do nothing. And some of you that raised your hand didn't believe it. Some of you raised your hand because your neighbor raised their hand. You say, well, I don't want to look like a dumb. He said, I'll raise mine too. Since it is written in the Scripture... Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, you can talk to a mountain. If you don't doubt in your heart, it will obey you, didn't he, Keith? Yes, so therefore, whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe with your heart, you'll have it. So I quoted that Mark eleven twenty three, and I said, now, ma'am, I guarantee you'll get a supernatural healing from my king, and his name's Jesus. 
Now, when you start doing what the Word says in faith, you're setting yourself up to see God do some great and wonderful things. And you and I can do all these things because of the power of the resurrection. If He hadn't have done what He did for us 2,000 plus years ago, you wouldn't be able to do none of these things. But because He did, that power is available. And because I said that, immediately the woman's pain was gone. She went at work the rest of the day with that burned arm. But the next morning when she woke up, Richard, there wasn't no mark on her arm the next morning. There wasn't even a scar. An arm that had been burned just terribly with big blisters all up and down her right arm the next morning. This happened at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And the next morning, because of my faith and my quoting our God's Word, knowing the power of His resurrection and these promises belong to me and to you. I stood on Him and saw a woman instantly healed of pain. And by the next morning, after everybody saw her burn, they all got to see it. He didn't heal her instantly right there because they had this. She didn't burn herself. That's a lie. I don't believe that. Look at her. Nobody gets on her burn like that and is healed by the next morning. But if you leave it there till midnight and everybody sees it, everybody comes in the cafeteria, everybody saw Adelina's arm that evening. And the next day when she come back to work, there wasn't a mark on it. How do you explain that away? Only Jesus, right, Tom? I mean, Christians, we don't have a problem with that, do we? Oh, yeah, some of us do. Some Christians say, you know, I just thought I saw that. I thought I saw your arm burn yesterday. You did. No, no, it couldn't be. Look, it's healed already. Well, Jesus showed her for me last night. She didn't even believe it. You know what her explanation was? Why do you think your arm got well so quick? You know what she said? Well, I guess it was because it was so cool last night. Did she have any faith? No, she didn't have no faith at all. She didn't know what the Word meant. But the King used my faith. He'll use your faith to do great and mighty things for Him if you believe. That's what's available to you and me if we'll believe the King. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect. Do you see yourself as perfect? Oh, come on. (laughs) See, that's what's wrong with us. If we don't see ourselves as perfect, we need to get there. Because Jesus promised you you can be perfect. Didn't He, Michael? All we got to do is work on it, right? A lot of us can say, I'm not there. I'm not there. A lot of people's heads were shaking. I'm not there. But look what He said. As Let us, therefore, as many... He didn't say all of us are going to be perfect, did He? But as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Do you think the king wants you to be perfect? Do you think he wants you to be perfect? If he wants you to be perfect, then why aren't we working on it? <laughs> you got to have a little more word, don't you, Tom? You got to listen to his word. You got to get in his word. Just think. 
The first 35 years of my life, I had no idea although I was in church every time the door was open. Deacon, Sunday school teacher, everything. Never saw God do a miracle. Never saw Him do a healing. Didn't see Him do anything. Because I didn't have a clue who I was or what I could do in the name of Jesus. Didn't know how to touch the king's hand by faith. Had no idea that I had to walk over and touch him, Keith. Get a hold of him. That's what I got to do, right? By faith. In the name of Jesus. When I get a hold of the king by faith, when I draw near to him and grab a hold of him and say, Lord, I ain't turning loose. He said, oh, you're really serious about this stuff, aren't you, son? <laughs> yeah, I'm really serious. And when you draw near to him, then he draws near to you, doesn't he? Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful what the Lord has done there? Then let's go to Ephesians 1. Go back a few pages to Ephesians 1. We'll start with verse 17. Ephesians 1:17 through 23. Look at Ephesians 1.17. This is a kind of prayer you need to pray for yourself and others. Because God will hear this prayer if you're walking in obedience to His Word. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. How many of you would like to have wisdom? Hey, I love to have wisdom, Lord. And for sure, not only wisdom, but how many of you like to have the Spirit of wisdom living inside of you? Hey, that's the Holy Spirit. So if you have that Holy Spirit, ask Him that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, if you want to learn how to do things, you're going to have to learn to pray a prayer like this. If you pray a prayer like this, why do you think Paul give us this example? He wanted us to have it. That's why He prayed this prayer for people. That's why He gave us this example. You have no idea the thousands of times I've got up in the day and went to work in the morning and said, Lord, please give me wisdom and revelation and understanding today of Your Word and how to do the job You've given for me to do today in the workforce. I want wisdom, Lord. I want to look good in Your name because I'm Your Son. I don't want to be a normal worker. I don't want to be one that nobody likes. I want to be one that has all the answers. You know, it's amazing how God puts these desires in you. I remember when I was a young kid, I used to love airplanes. And I built model airplanes and I tried to fly them. I crashed most of them. But I crashed a bunch of little airplanes before I learned how to fly one. I mean, I crashed a mini little airplane. I'd spend days putting these little things together and then take it out there and try to fly it and make one little short flight and it'd crash and break a wing off or something. You know, I didn't know how to fly. Nobody told me how to fly. I, I, I was trying, but that's what I was doing. And that's what I tried to do with my spiritual life a lot of years. I tried and it didn't, it didn't, I didn't fly. I crashed every time. But when I learned that I could ask for wisdom and knowledge and understanding and started believing that He would give it to me, I began to receive great and awesome knowledge and wisdom about my job and how to do things. And I, I technically, in my own workplace, became a legend in my own time, in my ability to perform things that nobody else could do. But my desires was when I was young, when I was working on airplanes, I had a desire. Lord, American Airlines had come on the scene. 
you know, I mean, they were beginning to fly airplanes. And I heard about them. I said, Lord, when I get big, when I grow up, I want to be trained to know everything there is about one of those big airplanes. So when nobody else can fix it, I want them to call me. And I want to go be able to fix it so I can tell them I was able to fix it because you're in me and you gave me this knowledge and wisdom so you can be glorified. That was a dream I had as a young person. And you know, not only in the aviation industry, but in my industry that I was in after I got out of flying and got back into the engineering world, I had a lot of VPs across the country. They would call me. I mean, I can remember one time a guy used to be a VP over the region here that I was over. He had been moved up into the Northeast. He called me one day and said, Thurman, I've got some problem with some of these huge machines that ain't nobody can fix. He said, whenever my lead guy told me, sir, there's not anybody can fix these old machines. We just need new ones. Ah, uh, he said, let me call one of my men. Picked up the phone and said, Thurman, can you take a couple of days and come up here to New Jersey and show us what's wrong with these big machines? I said, sure. He knew I knew them things inside and out, upside down and backwards. I went up there in a matter of hours. I found so many things wrong with those machines. I said, the problem is you need some mechanics that know what they're doing. <laughs> these guys are doing everything wrong. These guys, you need to send them to school. They're just shooting in the dark. They don't know what they're doing. I showed them all kinds of things wrong. And they did everything I told them. And the machine's done everything they're supposed to do. It was a piece of cake. Why? Because I had prayed and I'd asked God for knowledge and wisdom and revelation about the job He had given to be the best of anybody in the whole business. Now, God's not a respecter of persons, is He? I look back there at James and I know he works with computers. And I look back at Dave and I know he works with computers. I look at the people that work with different things that I know about. I think about this fine young man. That came here for a while. He was also a computer science engineer, and he worked and designed software. And one day he heard me teaching how I had asked God to help me to, with a software program I designed years ago. I said, Lord, I can't find the problem here, and I'm asking you to show me how to fix this. And I said, he did. So this young man said, hey, I've been working on a problem for days. I can't find it. So the next day he got to work and said, Lord, I ask you to help me. And it was Andy, by the way. James, you'll know who I'm talking about. Andy said, Lord, I ask you to get a fine Christian young man, but it don't matter who you are if you don't ask in faith. God don't move. But little Andy, he asked the Lord to help him find that problem. Next Sunday, he come to church and said, Thurman, in five minutes, after I asked God to show me where the problem was, I found the problem, fixed the software problem. In five minutes. just like a lady the other day wrote me an email. She said, you know, I had a... A spreadsheet I was trying to do uh, payroll on, and these formulas, I could not make these formulas work. She said, Lord, I only got two days. I got to have this spreadsheet finished, and I got to have payroll done. So she said, that even when I got home, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I've got to have some knowledge and wisdom about that spreadsheet. I know you know everything about that spreadsheet. Do you think God knows software? He knows everything about everything. And that's where you got to get. She said, that night I had a dream. Does God say He speaks to us in dreams and visions? She had a dream that night. She saw all the formulas in her dream. Got up the next morning, got her pens and pads, and wrote them all down. 
She said, I went to work and I put every one of those formulas in there and hit the button and that spreadsheet calculated everything perfectly. She said, I'm still using that spreadsheet today and it works perfect. Do you think God never makes a mistake? Then why in the world, because of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, why do we put so much effort and things into work trying to do it ourselves without asking Him for help? That's part of what the resurrection was for. So you can have an intimate relationship with the King. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Then he says after this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. 19. And what is the exceeding Greatness of His power. That power is beyond your wildest dreams. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? What is available to you? Christ is available to you. Not just a piece of Him. All of Him. He's available to you by faith which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And He has put all things under His feet and give Him to be the head over all things to the church which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Matthew 28, verses 18. Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28. No, it can't be 18. Yeah, it is 18. 18, yeah. Huh? It's right up there. Yeah, okay. Praise the Lord. Y'all get it quicker than I do. How many of you like this new plan? You don't have to look it up in your Bible no more, do you? Well, because my Bible's new NLT. Hey, so we can read it both. Now, if I tell him I want that in the NLT, man, he can put it up there just like that. He can just drop it right in. Look what, and look what the king says. Well, I'm going to start at verse 17. I'm going to back up one verse. Actually, let's go to verse 16. 16. Sorry, Jordan. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed unto them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But look at that next word. But some of them did what? They're looking at Him. There He stands. But I'm doubting he's alive. Can you imagine them walking over and say, Lord, Lord, you're real. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, we think too much like man, don't we? We saw a man die. I mean, he couldn't be alive again. Give me a break. You've got to get over that, Richard. You've got to think like God. I mean, with God, what's impossible? Nothing. Nothing. 
But they doubted. Don't be a doubter. He rebukes you heavy when you're a doubter. And Jesus came and spoke of them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who's in control now of everything? What's that verse just say? Who's in control? The king is in control. And he belongs to you and me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is His command to you and me. And we don't do this very well now, folks. We don't do this well at all. We think when we get saved, we just go to work, keep our nose clean, don't talk about Jesus in the workplace, we'll be okay. But that's not the command of the King, was it? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And teach them, the new converts, to observe... Oh, it's got to be a few things. What does it say? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you every once in a while. How often? Always. I mean, at least for the next couple of days. How long? Even to the end of the world or the end of the age. So, when you pray a prayer, Lord, be with us today, you just wasted your breath. You can't get rid of the king, can you? You don't want to get rid of him, do you? No. Now then, one more Scripture. Matthew 10. Go back a few pages to Matthew 10. And I want you to see what he commanded them to do. Now, this is the kicker. Matthew 10, 1. And when He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, if He commanded them to do this, and He told them to go make new disciples and command the new disciples to do the same thing, why don't we go about doing what He says? I mean, you should never miss an opportunity. I mean, if somebody is sick or afflicted, you ought to walk in and say, you know, repent, you sinner. (laughs) Repent of your sins. I'll pray for you and Jesus will heal you. You do that quite often, don't you, Pat? Yes, you do. Yes, she does that. She's a woman of great faith. She prays for lots of people. I mean, that testimony she gave that time, she met a little, I believe it was a Spanish woman at the bottom of the stairs or something. Her leg was bothering her, had all kinds of problems. And Pat said, you know, I serve a Jesus that heals. What? Yeah, let me pray for you. And Pat prayed for that little lady and God healed her right there. Isn't he wonderful, Pat? He's awesome. Why don't we see God do more of these wonderful things? We're just like those disciples. They saw him and they did. But some of them worshipped him, but some of them did what? They doubted. You know what happens whenever the king comes to you and he wants to do something miraculous and he puts something in your pathway to do something wonderful? And as soon as you, the thought comes, the Lord says, Michael, I want you to do this for me. As soon as he said that, you're a good buddy. Pat you on the back and said, but Michael, what if he don't do it for you, you know? You're going to look like a fool. He does that to us, doesn't he? He does it to me often. 
I think about what a pastor I know. He was standing before. In fact, he used to be a Ph.D. down here at the seminary. And then he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and of course they kicked him out. But that's okay. So he had to start preaching for a living. You know, he couldn't be a Ph.D. in the seminary no more. So I remember something he told me one day. He said, I was preaching in a church out in the West, 4,000 people. And he said, uh, God spoke to me. And said, there's a man here by the name of John Doe. And he said, I, he has this disease. I want you to call him out right now. I want to heal him. He said, I'm standing there preaching when God told me that. And said, I stopped for a second and said, I thought, God, if I call, if I do this and you don't heal this guy, I'm going to look like a fool. Now, where do you think that came from? Of course, the devil. You know what the Lord told him? I think about that every time I think about this day. The Lord says, I made my son look like a fool for all of you. And he did, didn't he? You just do what I tell you. When we can get over this hurdle, when we hear God tell us to do something, we need to just do what he says. So he said, is there a man here by the name of so-and-so? man said, yeah. He said, you got this disease? He said, yes. He said, the Lord told me, just told me, he, you had this, you're here. He wants to heal you. Get up here. The Lord's going to heal you right now. Well, the guy walked up there. He reached over and touched him and prayed for him. God instantly healed him just like that. The king we serve, what he has to go through to get us to do something. We are so steeped in unbelief. You know, we just don't believe. But now then, we're going to take communion again today. This is a very special day. For those that have been designated or been called out to serve dominion, uh, serve communion. If you've been asked to serve communion today, then go back and take up your tray. And they say they've called out certain ones to help. And so this way we'll have exactly the right number of people to do what they're supposed to do. Those of you that have been asked, we're going to take communion. This is a very special day. How many of you know today is a very special day? I mean, this day. Amen. If there was ever a time you ought to wear a tie and look good for Jesus, it's today. You know, I mean, that ain't going to help you. I mean, that ain't, at least, you know, let's just pass these out. Yeah. Our King did an awesome thing for us. If you have any kind of unconfessed sin in your life, I want you to confess your sin. I want you to get right with God. I want you to think about what you're doing here, partaking of the bread and the blood of the King. I want you to think of the awesome thing He done for you. If you are a born-again Christian, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we ask you to take communion with us. This is all about Jesus. Now, I've been to some churches. In fact, I've been a member of a church one time that we had a deacon's meeting after communion one night. And one of the deacons was so upset because there was somebody visiting from another church and they took communion. And he didn't like it. Well, let me tell you, we don't live like that in this church. 
If you're a born-again Christian, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're a member of the body of Christ. You have access into His body just like I do, just like every one of us do. There's no difference. There is only one church, and that is His church, the King's church. Now, some of us have been given other gifts and others, but don't let that hinder you. Believe the King. If you've got any kind of sin in your life, judge yourself. Make sure you get rid of it. Get rid of all sin. Make sure you know you're cleansed and washed by the blood of the Lamb. Make sure that you've come before His throne and repented of every sin, known and unknown. Because you want to be clean and pure by the blood of Jesus. This bread and this wine, this juice, is a symbol of His body and His blood. And that body and that blood cleansed us and justified us and made us just as if we had never sinned. So from the time you got saved to now, if you have sinned, confess it. And to those of us that are working on our perfection, we want you to be a part of that. We want you to work on your perfection. We want to be, all of us want to be perfected in Christ. So we can all be vessels of honor fit for the use of the Master. When he has a need or somebody he needs to do a miracle for or a healing, you want to be that person that he can use for his glory. Now, if you're not walking holy, you're not walking in obedience to his word, if you're not spending time with him, he won't use you. He will not use you. A lot of people want to be used for his glory, but they're not willing to pay the price. There is a price to be paid. It's worth it, folks. It's worth it to pay that price. It is worth it. Walk in obedience to his word and be blessed. Know the king. Know the power of his resurrection. I think we have them all passed out. Okay. Father, as we look at the bread, we realize the bread that's pierced and striped. It's a symbol of your body that even before you were crucified, you were beaten and bruised so that by your stripes we could be healed. So, Father, today we thank you there's healing in the body that you paid for us. You bore our sickness and removed our disease in Matthew 8, 17. So we don't have to be sick if we will only confess our sins and walk holy in your presence. And we give you praise and glory and honor for the bread. In Jesus' name, amen. And the blood of the King, the most powerful thing in the universe, that washes away your sins, that makes you clean by faith. Receive by faith. The promises of God, they're all yours. See yourself today as you leave here as a perfect, holy son or daughter of God because He paid the price for you so you can be perfect and holy. And I praise you and thank you, Father, 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, the media back there is all free. You can take all the teachings you want. We don't have a limit at church. Take what you want. If you want to give a donation to our ministry today, the box is over here on your right as you go out. If you want a donation receipt, put it in an envelope or whatever. If you want to give a check to our ministry, make it out to TLSM. We will send you a donation receipt at the end of the year. If you need to make any kind of a decision for Jesus today, if you do not know the King, we would invite you to come up here and we'll lead you to Jesus. If you have any kind of a prayer need today, you need to be healed or anything, any kind of needs, you repent of your sins and believe the Lord. We, and you come up here and we will pray the prayer of faith for you and Jesus will meet your needs. We see the King answer prayer in this church and He answers them all the time. And we are grateful to Him because He does answer our prayer. And we get to see Him do great and wonderful things. All you need to do is repent of your sins and believe with no doubt in your heart. If you're wishy-washy and don't believe Him, He don't go there with you. He's a God that says that when you ask for something, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because if you waver, you need not think, I, God, will do anything for you. So don't waver. Believe Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this glorious and wonderful and mighty day, the day of Your resurrection. We are so grateful for the power in this day. Thank you again, Lord, for what you did for every one of us. We can all do what we do because of your great and awesome gift of grace and power. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us all and justifying us by the blood of your Son. We praise you and worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.